Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, Cardinals head coaching search update. 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 Be a professional on how you act. Be a professional on what you do. Be a pro in how you speak to others. Be a pro, and if this is your responsibility, do it. And I think uh, I think that's what's good for us. But clearly, I'm sure Monty's going to bring in a uh, unbelievable attention to detail on how to build a roster. And uh, really, he's going to do a fantastic job at Arizona. That is Jed Fish, the head coach down in Tucson at the University of Arizona with uh, Burns and Gambo yesterday. Um, talking about his experience when he was with the New England Patriots with Monty Osenfort now uh, in place as the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals and one of those duties now is finding the next head coach interesting uh, it'll be interesting to find out you know whenever the Cardinals settle on a coach how much of it was a Monty Osenfort driven endeavor how much mm. of it was a Michael Bidwell how much of it was collaborative uh, there is uh, big news on that front today Sean Payton coming in for his uh, visit with the Arizona Cardinals at long last. And we are into day 17 of this coaching search since Cliff Kingsbury was fired the day after the Cardinals wrapped up their season. And I'm still kind of blown away, Bick, by the fact that we've had five openings and not one of them filled just yet. There's been a lot of movement this week in terms of second interviews, the paring down of lists, but still no jobs filled. And and is it because everyone's waiting for the Sean Payton thing to drop first? And the answer to that is yes, uh, because he's that kind of impact coach. So I think that, that for instance, everybody knows that Denver, it's a great football city. The owner's got a lot of money. The ownership group has got a lot of money. The quarterback piece, I don't know, but, but a lot of people who, who – there's a lot of people who might want that job if Sean Payton doesn't take it. So, and a, Sean Payton isn't going to take that job, in my opinion. So, I just think they're all waiting for him to make that move first, and and so everything can start trickle down from the top down. It's it's weird because generally you do have teams lock in on guys by now. But it's also important to remember that as weird as this seems to people, the current season is still ongoing. So we're not even in the off season yet. So it's it's the weirdness True. only goes so far. True. But you want to be in a good place to, oh, yeah. to hit the ground running when the offseason sure. does start. I yeah, listen, I think I think the Cardinals would love Dan Quinn personally. Mm-hmm. I think Dan Quinn probably likes Denver better cuz he looks at that defense. Now I know I know people could paint a picture that whoa, Dan Quinn might look at this and oh, imagine what he could do with Zaven Collins, imagine what he could do with Isaiah Simmons, Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, the number 3 pick in the draft. Maybe it's Jalen Carter, maybe it's Will Anderson Jr. Whoa, think about what he could build. Denver's defense is already there. They're they're already complete. And so I, I, I think people uh, think that maybe Dan Quinn is going to end up in Denver for two reasons, money and the defense. Mm-hmm. And he's going to worry about the quarterback later. Keep in mind, Dan Quinn was in Seattle. He knows all about Russell Wilson. Oh, he knows all about but Yeah. That, that might that could be a turnoff, too. Maybe, but then again, he's experienced a lot of success with the guy, too. So. Yes, but you remember the division that developed between the members of I that do. defense and Russell Wilson, even when they were I winning do. a lot of football games. And and I think that it's it's one of the it's one of the many qualities to like about Dan Quinn is the fact that, you know, he's got a lot of familiarity with this particular division. 
and and that's something. I mean, I didn't even know this until I listened to Wolf and Luke yesterday. The staff, the staff that Dan Quinn had underneath him in Atlanta when they made that Super Bowl run, when they blew that 25-point lead to New England. Do you know who's on that staff? You hear about that? Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, Mike McDaniel. Wow. It's pretty good, right? Yeah. Uh, somebody, there's somebody else, too. Somebody, another big name is on that staff. So Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. <laughs> and the guy who should be blamed for that 25-point blow, blowing of the lead. Is Kyle, Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan's really good, but come on. Run the football. That, that was not his best day. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it wasn't his best half. That, yeah. yeah, the first half went pretty first well. The first half went pretty darn well for him. Uh, I, I don't know who else. There was a, there's another big name. that was, So there was an all-star cast on that on that, on that that staff of Raheem his in Morris Atlanta. Was there? That's it, Raheem Morris. Yeah. Guy who's up for some jobs, although his uh, his name has cooled off in a lot of these yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but still, that's a pretty good staff. Yeah. When you're looking at Matt LaFleur, uh, not even the offensive coordinator, and Mike McDaniel's an ancillary coach on the staff. Yeah. And Kyle <laughs> Shannon. Right. So Dan Quinn, it, huh. but it's 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 crazy to me how Dan Quinn really literally went from retread to to the hottest coach in the business in the span of a week. Span of a week. There's another name that people are starting to make noise about that's not getting a lot of interviews, and that's Cincinnati's defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumo, who's been around the block more times than the ice cream man. He's Hello. got a very, very Hello. vast resume, uh-huh. and he interviewed for the Giants head coaching position last year. They went with Dayball, and, and what he's done with that Cincinnati defense has been amazing, and he's very well respected. His players love him, but he's not getting any love. And uh, Lewis Riddick was a guy um, who, who put it out on social media that said, hey, you know, this guy deserves a chance. The fact that he's not getting interviews is a joke. So I don't know if people are waiting on him, but he hasn't, he hasn't been linked to any of these jobs either. Do you think in general it's weird that so many defensive coaches are getting interviews and being looked at? Because it was pointing out to yesterday, all four of the teams remaining have offensive head coaches. I just think that's coincidence more than yeah, anything. Yeah, so do I. So do I. I, I mean... Yeah, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's, even though there was a time when hiring the hot offensive coordinator seemed to be the thing to do, I I don't know if this is necessarily an overcorrection. I think it's probably more coincidental. Yeah, I would agree. Um, So yeah, we'll have updates as when they become available on the uh, Cardinals meeting with Sean Payton today, uh, even though... Even though Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reported yesterday, hey, it doesn't seem like there's much of a landing spot for <laughs> Sean right. Payton right now. Before his first interview. He's just flying around the country talking to teams. And keep in mind, Ian Rappaport technically works for the Arizona Cardinals. Mike Florio made that very clear. He's right, but he's right. The, if you work for the NFL Network, you work for the, the, the aggregate clubs. That is true. It is uh, it is their own media arm. Yes, it is. <laughs> Coming up next, Suns back on the court tonight, and they could, they should have eighty percent oh, of their starting boy. lineup intact. Can you believe wow. it? We'll get into that and more next. Spickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's just, it is what it is. He's, he's a big dude. I'm sure he works on his body. Uh, they built a team around him that can handle it. As far as his usage. Um, you have to have guys who can catch and shoot and play off the dribble. Um, just a tough cover for everybody. You know, I, I don't know what his usage looks like historically, but it'd be hard pressed to find anybody that has the ball that much in the game. Um, so it's <laughs> most of your focus is on 
you know, how do you deal with that? Because that's what they do a great percentage of the game. It's Monty Williams, head coach of the Phoenix Suns. Practice yesterday, kind of previewing tonight's opponent. And tonight's uh, marquee opponent is Luka Doncic, uh, leader of the Dallas Mavericks, who come in here in a battle of teams that are both 25 and 24 mm. and have gotten to those records in very different ways. Uh, you heard Monty say it. The, the Mavericks are built around Luka Doncic. His usage rate is is off the charts. He's been, you know, among the MVP candidates this year, although that's cool because the Mavericks aren't winning as, as many games right now with Christian Wood out. Um, I'm actually with, with the bumpiness of the road that the Suns have been on for the past six weeks. I'm surprised they have the same record as the Mavericks, quite honestly. Doesn't it? It, it feels like two, again, very different yeah. arrivals well, to this it, point. But again, I think that you'd be, you'd be, it'd be foolish to look at records to gauge, uh, playoff viability in the NBA right now. This has been one of the more mushy, undiscernible regular seasons I, rec- I can recall in a, in a long, long time. Seems like every night there's a result that makes you go, what? You know what I mean? It's like uh, we we had mentioned earlier. Nikola Jokic takes the night off in Denver. Denver was beating the Bucks for a while last night before losing the game. There have been teams that have just you know short the Suns against the Warriors the first time around. There's been a lot of that kind of stuff this year, and it's I'm not sure the NBA regular season has looked worse personally. Now, and maybe maybe I'm way off about that, but I think when it gets down to it, it's this this grouping of teams in the West. Um, I, I guess as a Suns fan, you should be grateful for that. That in a year oh. in which you've had to deal with a lot of losses, a lot of uh, personnel weirdness, a lot of injuries, that there's just been no there's been no cluster of teams that have sort of been pace setters, if you will. There's nobody out there. there. You don't have two or three race cars way out ahead of everybody else, forcing everyone to to pay attention and start winning these games because everyone is just kind of. Mucking along a little bit. That is very true. Um, the, the the level of grouping and even the teams at the top now. I mean, Memphis is still number two in the West. They've lost four straight games. New Orleans is still number four in the West. They're playing bad basketball right now. They got Brandon Ingram back. Zion still out. They can't win it. I think they've lost six in a row. So um, yeah, there's a lot of teams that are that are going through it right now, and. Maybe we should all just be bracing ourselves for what happens after the All-Star break when these teams finally say, all right, yeah. these, these games really matter now. Yeah. Uh, the cream will rise That's to the top. That's what's going to happen. And we'll, and we'll see that. But the Suns are getting healthy. DeAndre Ayton is expected back tonight after a three-game absence with illness. James Jones was on with Burns and Gambo yesterday, talked about getting players back uh, from injury. It gives you confidence, um, but more importantly, it just makes you feel whole. Uh, those guys are, are vitally and critically important to what we do. You know, there's there's no substitute for Chris. You know, as, as well as our guys that have played um, standing in for him, um, he's one of the greatest worries. And, and Cam Johnson, uh, likewise, you know, he's, he's unique to us uh, and what he brings and what he allows us to do and, and, and how he allows us to play makes us dynamic and, and, and dangerous. And so it's been it's been good to see our guys especially the reserves who, who stepped up, to see how they can complement those guys and make their games easier. Yeah, there's always a way to, to come up with a silver lining, and that might be the silver lining for the Suns is, hey, everybody was out for a while. Mm-hmm. It gave extended minutes to Bismack Biombo and, and Jock Landale and um, Ish Wainwright, mm-hmm. Josh Okoge, guys like that, and, 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 and spurts those guys have produced. And at different times, all of those guys have contributed to wins recently, and that might be the silver lining in all of well, this, is that if you have to rely on those 
those guys, they'll have a little bit in terms of confidence when you need them to. Yeah, listen, I, I agree with that. I, I think there's no way you can look at what the Suns have done in the past month and a half, whatever it is, and, and not go they they and not assume they they have to grow from this from having young players way down the bench have to contribute. But again, it's I, I, I go back to the lesson that that I learned. Um, last year during the NBA playoffs, and 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 it's those end of the bench guys. Yeah, it's great that they're confident. It's great that they've learned lessons and they've stepped up and they're playing role. It's not going to matter in the playoffs. It's it's real. It's just not. And at least I don't think it's going to. No, it historically uh, hasn't. It, you, you need fifteen players to get through a regular season. To get there, you need about eight or nine yeah. to get through a playoff. Yes, run. and and once you get there, you need guys who know their roles. You need X amount of guys who do the shooting to carry the scoring and and. and and uh, you need everybody to play defense. And I think we saw, which is why people and teams treat the regular season with the kind of ambivalence that they do. And, and so, but, but I will say this. I do think that w- what the Suns have done here recently is admirable. Uh, to take a team that was three games under 500 and public confidence circling the drain a little bit and to kind of grab it and go, no, we're, we're not letting this happen. And then then you've had three different returns spark three three good efforts in a row from Cam Johnson to Josh Okogie to Chris Paul. Yeah. And, and now Devin, but now De- like you said, DA's coming back tonight, hopefully. Then Devin Booker's after that. And campaign and and so hopefully when that all happens, it's going to be a basketball team that's going to be better for the wear, better yeah. for all the all the stuff they've gone through. Yeah, and on the Mavericks side, they're you know running into some tough patches right now too. They don't have Christian Woods. They've lost some games without him. They lost a one point game at home to Washington the other night and. Uh, it's kind of sparked this interesting back and forth between uh, combatants in that game. Spencer Dinwiddie, in his in his post game press conference, you know, was feeling the loss. Obviously, you know, the the Mavericks were in the Western Conference Finals last year. They believe they're better than their record, so he kind of he kind of shot some arrows over at Washington. I mean, we just gotta be better in that respect. You know what I mean? Like they're they're not playing for nothing for real. You know what I mean? Like they just coming out here firing. Like they got people coming off the bench just firing, right? Because at the end of the day for them, it's a showcase. They're over there trying to get paid. They're not trying to play winning basketball. You know what I'm saying? So for a team that has real aspirations and has an MVP, you know what I'm saying? Like and went to the conference finals last year, like we have to be better to a man, right? And not offensively, because 126 can win you a lot of games. It's defensively. And, you know, obviously we can sit here and say one more stop, but really we should have like 15 more stops. Yeah, that's uh, Washington has two less losses than Dallas, by the way. Three less wins right now. So for him to say that, and then if that's indeed the case and you're losing to a team that's just showcasing and trying to get paid or maybe get rescued from Washington, which, by the way, happened to Spencer Dinwiddie last year, Kyle Kuzma took notice of that. He's like, you know what? They don't play winning basketball either. And he's not the only one that accuses because it's basically give the ball to Luca, let him do what he does. Everybody uh-huh. stand around the perimeter, and if you're open, sure. shoot it. Sure. And Dinwiddie's isolation rate is among the league leaders as well. They don't necessarily play real share the, you know, that we've seen the Suns at their height when they're sharing the basketball mm-hmm. and they're point five. It's it's pretty fun to watch. Yeah, the Mavericks are not that. Yeah, they, I, they listen, can win games because Luca's that good, right? And and, and that's listen. I, and again, there's a fine line here, and I and I don't like to get into this knee jerk Phoenix reaction of just kind of like uh, of of just. 
making fun and ridiculing everything related to Luka Doncic because I watch Luka and I see a phenomenal basketball player. I love watching him play. I haven't done that once this morning. I know. No, well, no I'm, not, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm just saying in general. It's been, to, to me, I love the sport of basketball. I'm not going to let a team that, that eliminated the Suns ruin my joy in what I should feel when I watch transcendent basketball players. That's just not – I don't like doing that. So I look at Luka and I love watching him play, but I'm not going to argue with this idea about it's not winning basketball. In fact, to me, I thought what put the Mavericks over the top last year wasn't so much Luka Ball. It was what Jalen Brunson did to this team when Luka wasn't on the court. That was what, to me, that's what toppled the Suns last year. It wasn't just the Luka factor, because it was Luka in 6-7, and particularly Game 7. But but when he was gone, and then Jalen Brunson was just pounding the paint and the rim... That's to me. That was what you can't. That was one of the lessons of playoff basketball. Well, and that's but I do pe- agree at the point. It's not winning. It's not fun to watch. I, the team is not fun to watch. I. I mean, we're different in that. I don't find Luca fun to watch that often. Okay. I mean, is he great? Yes, he's unbelievable at what he does. But you're right. Jalen Brunson was an ingredient of that team that they don't have this year, and they replaced that production with Christian Wood, who's been good this year. But he's not that same demoralizing type player because of the way Brunson plays. And it was very similar. He's kind of like a a miniature left-handed Doncic is the way he played. And that team thrived on it. And Oh, by the way... You know, the Reggie Bullocks of the world and the Dorian Finney-Smiths and the Spencer Dinwiddie's hitting Max Kleber, whatever that dude's name is. Open threes kind of yeah. hurt too. Yeah. Well, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, and again, but but saying all that. I, I don't get me wrong. I would really enjoy it if the Suns pasted the Mavericks tonight. Very much enjoy that. Oh yeah, uh, because because what that basketball team did to this valley. I mean, ten years from now, somebody will be able to give the right perspective to what went down <laughs> last it playoffs. Might take that long? It, it might. Yeah, it might. So I think this is a, this is a great opportunity for the Suns to take the. And I do expect them to win this game tonight. I think they've got something. I think they got something good cooking right now. I do too. So there you go. Eight o'clock tip. Seven thirty pregame here on uh, ninety eight seven and uh, the Arizona Sports app. Coming up next, Sarah takes us through the big stories of the day. It's the Rush Hour reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It is great to have you all with us this morning, whether you are heading to work, taking your kids to school, coming home from an overnight shift. It is great to have all of you tuning in here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. I'm Sarah Cazell, taking you through the big stories of the day with Dan Bickley. Hey! With Vince Murata. Hey! I knew that I would get at least one of you would do that. <laughs> I love it. And Jared Carlin. Hey, everyone. Let's get gassy. <laughs> Shout out Southwest Gas. All wow. right. Jared finally has company. <laughs> <laughs> she mentions me more than I would like in her Southwest Gas. Hey, it's been, it's been at least it's been at least 10 to 12 days since I've done that. <laughs> okay. 
All right. Let's get into the top stories of the day. We will start with the Arizona Cardinals and the fact that they are interviewing Sean Payton for their head coach opening today, although for really being accurate about it, he's interviewing the Cardinals today. This is the seventh candidate that the Cardinals are speaking with. The uh, They were linked to eight guys, but D'Amico Ryan's, D'Amico Ryan's, I should say, uh, canceled his interview last weekend. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport said yesterday he actually doesn't think there's a place for Sean Payton in the coaching ranks this time around. When this all started, the assumption was as soon as Sean Payton decides where he's going to go, then everyone else will know where they're going to go, and then the coaching searches will resume from there. It's now reached a different point, and if you go through the different places that Sean Payton has has interviewed, it does not seem like a second interview is coming with any of those places. So what am I saying, Mike Garofolo? I'm saying that as of right now, it does not seem like there is a place for Sean Payton. We'll see, but it does not seem like there is a place in the coaching world right now. Okay, that's pretty fascinating for Mm. somebody who seemed to be far and away the most popular candidate. Yeah, Yeah, I'll buy it. popular name out there. So what do you guys think uh, about that assertion from Ian Rappaport, and do you think he will be a coach next season? I I think it all all sort of amounts to a great opportunity for the Cardinals to come at the end and maybe quote-unquote steal him, if you will. I think the idea of Sean Payton requiring a second interview is very, very ludicrous. I think if you're a football team and you're committed to paying the price, you'd the, there's no second interview that's even necessary. Um, so, so I, I don't know what that means, but I, I do think that I do think for various reasons teams are making other choices. I'm I'm convinced Houston has already given their job to D'Amico Ryan's, okay. and he's already accepted off the record. Mm. Um, I, I I think. Dan Quinn's going to end up in Denver. Okay. So I think that when you start looking at this, yeah, I think his options might be limited. But again, it's it's to, to, to assume that there's no place for Sean Payton before he interviews with the Cardinals is either to say the Cardinals have nothing at all to offer or it's to say that Sean Payton is, is only doing this as a formality. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure either that's true. Yeah, I think he's doing it. I, I think it's more than a formality, but it, you know, sway me, convince me sure. that this is the year that I come back to coaching because I'll have similar opportunities next year, yep. probably with a bigger group of teams, more more uh, opportunity to choose where I want to go. I I think you hit it, and I said it earlier in the show. I think this is a, this is a two way sales job right now, and it might even be more of the Cardinals selling themselves to Sean Payton than than, than the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so with what Ian. Rappaport said and what you guys think about what he just said. Do you think the Cardinals have an advantage being the last team to speak with him and they can really go, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on the air, balls to the wall to get Sean <laughs> well, Payton. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just did. <laughs> like basketball, like throwing the basketball against basketball the wall. To the when wall. you hit the tennis ball. Dodgeball. Yeah. Baseball. Do you, wall do, you ball. Think, <laughs> do you think the Cardinals are in a good position to potentially nab him here? I don't. Okay. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I think they're in a good position to do it. Uh, or better position than I might have thought a few days ago, but whether or not that means they're motivated, incentivized to do it, I don't know. Probably not. Okay. 
All right, let's get to the Phoenix Suns. Baxter Holmes of ESPN broke the news yesterday, yesterday, that Matt Ishbia, the Suns' incoming owner, is expected to be official and in charge before the NBA trade deadline, which is two weeks from now on February 9th. Holmes reported that the NBA Board of Governors will have a vote to confirm him in early February, and then the Suns will hold a press conference to introduce him on February 8th, which is the day before the deadline. James Jones was on with Burns and Gam. Uh, yesterday, as he always is on Wednesdays, and the guys asked him if he thinks the sale was sped up to get Ishbia in and official. No, I mean, I think uh, that's just beneficial for us. I mean, I think everyone involved will want that to be finalized by then, but it's the process that the NBA uh, oversees, but yeah, I think um, if I were buying a team, especially a team like this, and, and given where we are, I'd be excited about being on board before the trade deadline. So how big of a deal is it that Ishbia will be locked in, official, introduced before the deadline? I, mean, I think it's a pretty big deal because I think that means you can officially do things um, and get them done before trade deadline. You'd have to do a lot of it beforehand under the table. But I think you come in before the deadline, you're going to have authority to, to actually execute trades. Now, James Jones would have to have him teed up and ready to go. Yeah. Um, I agree with Bick. It's a big deal, but I also kind of eliminate the timing of it. I mean, it, it's weird that it's a day before the trade deadline hits. I'm not expecting sweeping changes, but yeah. Matt Ishbia taking over this franchise is a big deal just on its own. Oh, because yeah. of sure. what this organization has been through over the last two plus years with the investigation and all that, and basically what this fan base has been through for the last 17 plus years. Indeed. Yeah. It's time to move on. Indeed. So it's a big deal just on that, well done. that front. That's well very done. well said. We've been so transfixed on the trade deadline, but just the fact that this will officially mark the end of the Robert Sarver era, yeah. that is a huge deal. It's one, of, it's one of sports' great reprieves is what it is. Now that's assuming that Matt Ishby is going to be an improvement. I don't know how he couldn't be, quite yeah. honestly, but you never know. You'd think you would have to be. You never know, Vinny. I guess we'll find out. You never know. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, speaking of the trade deadline, quickly get to some, some Jay Crowder updates, courtesy of Zach Lowe and Bobby Marks. On The Low Post, the podcast that they do together, Zach Lowe laid out in the most recent episode what he believes the Suns are looking for in a trade for Jay Crowder. Someone told me that, uh, that has some interest in Crowder that those, the Suns seem to want two of the following three things. A good young player, a first-round pick, and a rotation, a, almost a starter, Crowder-level player. Two of those three. And it's like, that's cool. Like, that's why Jay Crowder hasn't been traded yet. Because he hasn't... We're 50 games into the season. He hasn't played. And he's in the last year of his contract. Okay, so we laid out three things. Mm-hmm. A good young player, a first-round pick, and a Jay Crowder-level player. Of those three bullet points, which is the non-negotiable? What do the Suns have to get? In a trade for Jay Crowder. A player. A, <laughs> a player. A Listen, good young or there was, a Jay uh, I, I read a lot about this. I forget who it was, but somebody on a podcast um, either blurted out or was 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 reporting when he was speculating, but he said that he's hearing Pat Connaughton for Jay Crowder is almost a done deal. Vinny and I both sign off on that deal. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, Pat Connaughton shows up to work. Yeah. So, right. So, I, I'm down with that if that is indeed the case, but I've heard this. Th- there is a continued word being used in describe the Suns front office, the word I keep seeing is inscrutable, Mm. which basically means nobody can understand what in the hell they're doing. 
I think those, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment right now. There's a lot of people scratching their heads, both on the Crowder side and the yep. Suns organization side. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, All Thanks, rebooted, Sarah. Rush Hour Reboot, big stories of the morning every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, another big story. It's always big when you get Peter King on the show from Football oh. Morning in America. <laughs> and he will join us next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Searches going on around the league. We're headed into championship weekend. It's always a great time to have our next guest on, but really, right now is a great time to have Peter King, Football Morning in America, on with Bickley and Murata. Mornings, Peter joins us on the Arizona Sports Line. Peter, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. How you doing? Doing well. Uh, still wondering what the Cardinals are going to do. They've got their uh, Sean Payton interview today. Are you of the belief that some people <clears throat> seem to have, Peter, that uh, this might just be a feeling out process for Sean Payton and, and, and maybe there's not an ideal spot for him to get into coaching this year? Well, I think there's one or two really good spots for Payton. Uh, one would be Denver. If, as I suspect, Russell Wilson is pushing for him and and has indicated to Peyton that he will accept hard coaching, he will accept whatever rules. You know, last year, Russell Wilson in Denver kind of had the run of the place. Uh, he, he had an office in the building. He had a video crew around him a lot. It was just, I, I think Sean Payton is going to, you know, if he took that job or whoever takes the job, quite honestly, should strip all that stuff away. But but we're not here to talk about the, the Broncos. I, I think he, I think the other part of that job that would be interesting to Payton is that they'd pay him a mint to take the job if indeed they get down that road. And look, there's about five coaches, what I'm told, in the NFL right now who are making an average of $15 million or more. To come back, Peyton, I would think, is going to need to be in that league, uh, you know, and in the upper echelon of that league. And that is going to scare a few teams away. I'm not sure that Michael Bidwill wants to play in that league. Mm. Um, but the other place, I think, is Houston, even though I'd be scared witless of Houston right now uh, <laughs> after you can say whatever you want, but your actions speak loudest. Uh, they hired David Cully two years ago, uh, kept the job for one year. They hired Lovey Smith and said, oh, he's definitely not a one-year guy. And he was a one-year guy. So pardon me if I don't trust anything that the, <laughs> uh, yeah. at the, that the Texans say right now. But look, the Cardinals job is interesting from a lot of different standpoints. One, you know, are you going to be able to get on the same page and get the most out of an enigmatic player like Kyler Murray? That's the huge, huge question. The thing about Dan Quinn that if I were Michael Bidwell, I would be very tempted by is that Dan Quinn is the most positive human being on the face of the earth. And he will convince uh, everybody on the team, but particularly Kyler Murray, he'll look him in the eye and he will say, we are going to win a Super Bowl. Uh, and he, and that's who Dan Quinn is. That's who he was in Arizona. He was very, he talked to anybody there, and they loved playing for the guy because it was always a sunny day. So that 
definitely would be a positive for Dan Quinn. I think the issue right now with this franchise, honestly, the way I look at it, and good for them in hiring Monty Austin Fort because he has a great pedigree, and I don't know Monty Austin Fort, but his resume speaks for itself. Uh, he has a, you know, he's a very, very highly regarded, uh, you know, uh, scout and uh, and a guy who knows where the where the players are. But I, I also think one of the things is you're going to have to find a really good offensive voice and offensive force, um, you know, to team with Kyler Murray, and you're also going to have to do well in personnel acquisition. You know, in the in the next year or two, to really get uh, the Cardinals uh, back in contention. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know, Peter, that we have in Arizona. It has been a season of dysfunction from that Chris Mortensen yeah. report in the Super Bowl a year ago when we first learned of all the, the dysfunction surrounding Kyler Murray. How important is that strong leader? And in your in from your experience, what is the best play to get a guy like Kyler Murray right? to get him to the level he needs to be. He's got to believe in what you're doing. He just, that's an absolute must. The fact is, no matter how excited it, how exciting it was at the beginning, the most amazing and least discussed stat in the last 13, week, 13 months in the NFL is that the Arizona Cardinals in early December 2021, were 10-3 in the one seed in the NFC. Since that day, they are 5-18, uh, and 18, and they've won one game at State Farm Stadium. That's an absolute total disgrace. Disgrace. Mm-hmm. And to me... It's it, Michael Bidwell did the right thing. He cleaned house. You have to clean house, even if you owe a coach and general manager eight billion dollars, uh, because you probably, uh, you, you know, you you probably got a little bit ahead of your skis last year in signing both those guys to big money deals, <laughs> and it appears now you certainly got ahead of your skis in signing, uh, you know, in signing Kyler Murray. So, look, it's, you know, there's a fire in Tempe. The fire alarm's going off. And somebody's going to have to, somebody's going to have to answer, you know, the fire alarm. And to me, look, I don't, I don't, I don't have any idea who's the leader in the clubhouse, who they like, who they don't. I, I, I don't know. All I know is that, Dan Quinn is the kind of guy who on day one is going to stand in front of the press and the public, and he is going to convince you, listen, don't worry, we're going to be fine. We have great pieces here, and I am going to be the captain of the ship to turn this thing around. And so if that is what Michael Bidwill wants, there's not a better guy than him. Now, I'm not saying he's the best guy for this job. I love D'Amico Ryans. Absolutely love D'Amico Ryans. I don't know right now who D'Amico Ryans would want to bring in his as his offensive guy uh, and whether you know that would be convincing enough for Michael Bidwill. So I can't answer that question. But uh, I think there's some very good candidates out there 
And I like the fact that not only the Cardinals, but all these teams are truly taking their time and kind of plumbing the depths of the coaching field. Yeah. Peter King, Football Morning in America, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, shifting to the playoffs, and I know after last week's games, Peter, you spent some time with Brock Purdy, who's been an unbelievable story for the 49ers and a lot of local interest since he's from Arizona. How do you size up Brock Purdy's chances to become the first rookie ever to win a championship game and quarterback his team to the Super Bowl because Philadelphia looked really good last week. It's just so shocking and so Kyle Shanahan-ish. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, there's two things about Brock Purdy. I, I've talked to him twice in my life. I happened to be at the Miami game, which is the first game he played. And afterwards, I had 10 minutes with him and said to him, hey, you're playing Tom friggin' Brady next week. And how does that feel? And he goes, cool. He's played football longer than I've been alive. And, you know, and, 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 and this week, you know, I got him uh, for a few minutes in the hallway outside their locker room after the game. And, you know, he is not into, holy crap, look where I am. He's just not into it. And you know why? Because he knows, and rightfully so, that crap can't help me right now. Maybe at the end of the season, I'll say, wow, that was a wild ride. That was great. <laughs> but, uh-huh. but, you know, look, I had, a, I had a conversation last week with Matt Campbell, his coach at Iowa State. And Matt Campbell told me a great story about the impact of Brock Purdy at Iowa State. He said that before senior night, when he finished, uh, you know, his last game, which was just, you know, a year and two months ago, really, when you think about it, in Ames, Iowa, they're going to go out and play, I think, Kansas State. And he's in the locker room and he hands everybody in the locker room uh, a, uh, you know, he had copied and he hands everybody a piece of paper and it's got a poem on it. And the poem is called The Bridge Builder. And that poem is what he read it to his team. And he said, this is what Brock Purdy has done for this program. And his whole point was, we used to be, you know, we're gonna, it's a nice year if we're five and six in the Big 12. Okay? No more. We are competing every year to be a top 20 team, a prominent bowl team, and one guy did this, and that's Brock Purdy. And, you know, and and I'll tell you, uh, when you start, I've made this point ever since he started playing, and that is I don't care who you are. I don't care what your hand size is. I don't care about any of that stuff. When you start 48 games at a Power 5 conference and you win, you know, some of those games, huge games, and you play at Texas when you're 18 years old and there's 100,000 people there, and you play in Norman, Oklahoma twice before 90,000, and you play, I mean, look, I mean, he he respects what he's going to see at the link uh, on Sunday, but it's not going to be the first time he's ever heard a crowd telling him he's a piece of dog do. <laughs> you know, he, he, he has been there. He has been there. He's experienced that. Who starts 48 games in a Power 5 conference 
plays well, turns a program around, and is the last pick in the draft. Wow. I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, look, I don't know anything. I, I'm not a scout. I'm not anything. But how in the world can some of these scouts, these Midwestern scouts, look themselves in the face now and go back and look at their reports that they wrote on Brock Purdy after watching him for the last eight weeks? How can they say, man, I'm really good at my job? (laughs) If you flunk Brock Purdy, how do you say I'm really good at my job? Yeah, that's a great point. I don't know. Hey, look, I kind of think Philadelphia is going to win this game. But we've all seen it in the last two months. Nobody's going to be really surprised. Because, look, Brock Purdy, I, I, how about this? These these two numbers, to me, blow me away. All right? He entered the game. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt like five minutes into that game against Miami. So everybody says, well, it's not really eight games. It's only seven. No, it's eight. He played 90% of the eighth game. So he's played eight games. And in those eight games, Brock Purdy has never fumbled the football. Wow. Never. And he's thrown three interceptions. And you have seen time after time, every defensive coordinator says, hey, we're throwing the house at this kid. See if he can handle it. Well, he can handle it. Yeah. And, you know, he he wasn't great the other day against Dallas. But you know what was the difference between him and Dak Prescott? Dak Prescott kept throwing it to the other team. Brock Purdy never did. Big difference. Yep. Thank you, Peter. Peter. We appreciate you, Great man. stuff. Thanks so much, Peter, okay. for joining us. We always appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. It. Peter King, Football Morning in America. Great stuff. Required reading for football fans on Monday morning. You joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Big's got the blast next on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.